Hey, coffee people. This is your host, Ethan Essig, and today I sit down to talk to Mike King, the owner and operator of Encore Coffee. It is a great conversation. Love Mike. Love getting to hang out with him. He's been helpful through my coffee journey. He is who I did my first cupping with, as you might hear my cat in the background there, but you know, oh well. Um, Well, thank you guys for coming by to listen to the episode. Make sure you check out Encore Coffee on all the socials and plug them into Google. And also we have a bunch of his coffee for sale at kccoffeecollective.co. So Make sure and check that out. Thank you for stopping by to listen to the episode, and I hope you enjoy. All right, coffee people. I am hanging out here at Encore Coffee with uh, Mr. Mike King. How you doing? Hello there. We are uh, in his warehouse, where Grandview, right? Grandview, Missouri. Yes. Founded here in Grandview. When did you found uh, Encore Coffee? Uh, I started this in fall of 2015. I officially launched in spring of 2016. Okay. So we just celebrated our third year anniversary. Nice. What would you do to celebrate that? Uh, took a few days off. Nice. <laughs> nothing, there you go. nothing exciting this year. Yeah. So, uh, what uh, how have the first three years been? Um, first year, three years have been a, a learning curve, that's for sure. I, yeah. I was a home roaster for many, many years and took the dive. Um, and uh, it's, been, it's been an interesting run for the last three years. First year was really just kind of getting my feet wet, really yeah. understanding um the business and customers and and really kind of getting my my feet wet um and this year i actually feel pretty good it's kind of i wouldn't say on autopilot but i've got all my processes down the roastings down you know uh yeah made a lot of the a lot of the errors early in my career and uh um it's been it's been an interesting run awesome so so now that you're kind of feeling that like settled into what we're doing here uh mode you find yourself like thinking of like okay what can i do next to always always, always. yeah I'd... yeah if you're not moving forward you're moving backwards yeah. in this business so yeah it's gotcha. uh the biggest kind of i would say learning curve uh was really understanding kind of when harvest occurred and mm-hmm. um when coffees arrived and you know certain origins have two uh two production times really kind of understanding when coffees arrive so that you always maintain fresh good crop coffee yeah that was really kind of a learning experience over the first couple years um simply because you you went through several harvest seasons yeah um and that was that was one of the biggest things that i probably have learned gotcha that that in the first couple years okay um so we're printing um have you uh Okay, or do you enjoy like the, I guess the science of coffee like a lot? Is that a big um, part yeah, of it for I, you? Yeah, I, I came from the tech field, so yeah, I'm probably a little bit more analytic than yeah. most. Um, I do lots of cuppings um, when I'm mm. evaluating coffees. Um, and I've, you you took me through my first cupping ever. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, you know, I I, I find. 
I probably cut more than than some people mm-hmm. to find the right coffees. Um, but I'm also kind of diligent about you know record keeping and tracking tracking your roasts and looking yeah. at your your weight reduction and your roast. Um, things of that nature kind of helped me become a better roaster. Yeah. Um, where when I was a home roaster, you do some of that, but it's you know when you become a commercial roaster, being consistent is mm-hmm. is the key for your clients, um, and that's a really kind of all helped me be a much better consistent roaster. Okay. Yeah. I just if you walk in here immediately, I mean you have more posters and things like that probably than any other really? roasting or tasting that I've seen. So. Well, I love my big SCA flavor wheel. It's yeah. awesome when you're cupping. Oh yeah, super helpful. Yeah. You can, it, you know, having a reference like like the color wheel or the uh, flavor wheel, really kind of helps you pick out flavors in your coffee, um, which I find was one of the areas that was difficult to learn. Yeah. Really, kind of picking out out uh, out those flavors and having a reference like that. Um, I also have a, a little kit that um, has um, scents. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the different flavors yeah. and scents in, in coffee. Using those really kind of helps you understand your product a lot better. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so now uh, that you've been doing it for three years, what's your kind of opinion on the Kansas City coffee community? Well, I think it's always been strong. In fact, I was having a conversation on a forum today kind of bragging about Kansas City. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate enough, you know, early, I tried opening actually a coffee and wine concept about 15 years ago. Um, and at that time I got to really know, um, some of the guys at PT's Jeff at PT's coffee and, uh, Danny at the roastery was always kind to me. So I had some experiences early on to, to really get exposed to this industry. Now, a lot of those people that I worked with years ago are now some of the senior people in the scene now. Yeah. Um, so it's been it's it's exciting to see how it continues to grow. Um, and Casey is full of awesome coffee shops and awesome roasters. So mm-hmm. it's really hard to hard to beat this scene. Yeah. Have you done much traveling to other kind of hot coffee spots? Um, you know, I haven't gone to the Pacific Northwest since it's been really hot. But anytime I travel, you know, I either hit uh, coffee shops or breweries when, when yeah. we're traveling. So yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting to compare because, like, if you go to Denver, mm-hmm. um, it Denver's coffee scene has improved dramatically in the last five years. But five, ten years ago, there was not very many great shops in that town. Yeah. Now there's a lot. There is. It's really grown fast. Like, I wonder how many are in Boulder. Because last couple times I've been there, I mean, I'm just like, whoa. Yeah. There's a ton. Yeah. It's it's. It's probably grown faster in Denver area than Kansas City, but yeah. Kansas City also had a lot of established shops. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to kind of compare. Yeah. There are a lot of, uh, between like the Roastery, PTs, Parisi, all those. Yeah. So. You know, they have a couple of the big giants, you know, like the Roastery, you know, in the Denver market, but yeah. um, there, there's some great... You know, Sweet Bloom does an awesome job. Yeah. Um, one of my favorites is Huckleberry. 
yeah. um, and Boxcar at the source. You know, there's those are mainly Denver Denver roasters. Yeah, um, but some of them do fantastic. I brought a jobs. bag of Boxcar home after uh, I was there last year. Really? Yeah. Uh, that's I'm, look, I'm going going over the Fourth of July, so yeah. I'll hit my old haunts. Yeah. Um, Sweet Bloom does an awesome job too. If you're ever yeah. in Lakewood, it's yeah. I need worth to try there for. and. Uh, huckleberry right yeah with like the multicolored bag yeah they just rebranded a huck yeah um but it was huckleberry that's actually where the the uh start of encore coffee really kind of started was at, at yeah. uh at huckleberry I, I had i met the owner and i was with a friend and my friend turned to me and he's like why are you not in the coffee business he goes i just listened to you talk for 20 minutes about coffee and uh you know, on that drive home back from Denver was really kind of the start of, of Encore going, maybe this is what I need to be yeah. doing. Um, so That's awesome. Fast forward a few years later, here I am. Yeah. Hey, nothing like a good nine-hour drive to really <laughs> yeah, you know, so put those that all there. Wonderful rolling hills of Kansas. Yes. <laughs> and then flat. But. Yes. So how would you uh, come up with the name Encore? Um, lots of brainstorming. It, you know, that was one of the hardest things to do is to pick out a good yeah. brand. Um, I'm a huge music fan. And so yeah. I kind of combine my love for music and my love for coffee into my brand. I just now put that together. Like, that's why I asked the question. I was like, oh, we were talking about concerts before this. And, yeah. Oh, uncle. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. You know, I, I play music, so yeah, um, I do that and have been an avid, you know, concert fan for years and years and years. Yeah. More than the average person, probably, but that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's all my branding. If you look at the name Encore, there's the name and then all of my uh, major oh, blends. It's like a music note yeah. thing. Okay. okay. Exactly. Yeah. You picked it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, even like my blend names are um, symphony and yeah. crescendo and harmony. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of built that into the brand. Um, yeah. And I do some fun things. I started about three or four months ago. Um, I do a, a monthly playlist on Spotify, um, just to just for people if they want to hear what I'm yeah. inter inter interested in. Um, it's out there. It's awesome. Um, you know, doesn't hey. doesn't get a lot of traction, but it's fun. Yeah. Hey. Well, that's. Uh I'm glad that came up in conversation because now when people go and buy your coffee, they get, um, you know, why the brand is the way it is. Yeah. Jump onto the website and you can see, um, one of my blog posts every month where I, I ha highlight the coffee of the month and then I, I have a, a monthly playlist. Awesome. Yeah. So go check. It's Encore.com. EncoreCoffeeCo.com. Okay. So those uh so the first year with like the roasting equipment and stuff like that um what were some of the biggest mistakes the things you would go back and be or the process oh, gosh I, I it really really kind of understanding i think i would have spent more time really understanding origin flavors mm -hmm. um you know i i thought i knew origins and profiles pretty well but until you start tasting the same coffees week after week after week and you really don't know um some of the nuances you yeah. know of what you know good guatemalan consists of um yeah you know 
that was something I don't know if it was a mistake, but probably some of the learning curve the first year. Um, you know, I, fortunately, I, I've been I haven't made a lot of mistakes. I, I had a I had some. We talked earlier about a yeah. packaging that I created, and I just wasn't real happy with it. And, yeah. Um, so you know, you do make some mistakes, but fortunately, nothing's been too expensive where I can't recover from it. Yeah. Um, you know, normal business, normal business issues. Yeah. Yeah, that is the part of, because I'm almost, almost seven months in to the, or Casey Coffee Collective. And yeah, it's been like 50-50 good investment, Pat, and then things it's, that have just blown up and not been Yeah, you, you know, I think with business, you, you try things, some things fail, some things stick. Yeah. Um, you know, like last fall, I, I built uh, into the front of my shop a little retail counter. Yeah. Um, looks great. I just don't, in this neck of the woods, I just don't generate a lot of traffic out here. Yeah. Is there, because there's not much residential out here, is there? No. Grandview is kind of split between 71 Highway. So you have yeah. a small percentage of people. I'm, I'm on the uh, west side of 71. Mm-hmm. So that I'm set back in an industrial area. So there's not a lot of housing. And then it's not really a big market for specialty coffee. I do have some local customers, but yeah, um, not a lot. Okay, it's just not the right market. Gotcha. Um, and you, uh, and you live closer to downtown, right? I'm in Brookside. Brookside. Yeah. Okay. So, where are your, some of your favorite local shops to hit up? I'm always curious Ooh. about this. You know, I don't go to a lot of shops because I've roasted myself for so long. Yeah. Um, you know, in my, in my neck of the woods, uh, I think, uh, one more cup does a great job. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, second best. Um, I'm always a sucker for PT's coffee. That was kind of yeah one of my first, you know, well, they helped you out a lot at the beginning or you yeah, got to um, know Aaron, them. Aaron Duckworth, who works for now for Parisi, um, yeah. used to have a shop up in, uh, North Kansas city. And I kind of stumbled across an article in the pitch talking about this barista champion. And I'm like, what does that mean? And yeah. so I actually went up to his shop. And at the time, uh, he was doing a, a espresso blend created for him from PTs. That was awesome. Um, and, and Aaron kind of showed me some of the ropes early on. I was probably one of those fanboys of yeah stick around the shop and bugging him a little bit but he really you know took me behind the bar and you know i pulled my first shots on his la marzocca there yeah it really kind of helped me develop you know some of the tastes that and and just really how to produce good espresso yeah um and he kind of instilled in me if you're going to be in this business if you're going to do coffee you got to do it right and you got to do it high quality um mm-hmm. if not it's not worth doing yeah. Um, there's too many good players in this market and life's too short for crappy coffee. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, um, so speaking of, um, yeah, just in general, <coughs> what is, uh, here, I'm trying to articulate this question. Is there anything, is there a bag that you, or a blit or anything you've created in your first couple of years that you're like, damn, I shouldn't have put that out? Or are you like, before every time you're like, this is? I was going to say my first maybe few bags of coffee that I bought, yeah. um, I didn't know where the right price point was to buy to 
where like it was quality. Yeah, yeah, you know, and that's that's kind of what I've learned is the importers. You know, your relationship with your importer is critical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say some early on, some of the coffees that I was buying were probably not as good as what I'm buying now. Yeah. Um, but that was literally a fact that it came up on my Facebook time hop, you know, my first yeah. shipment of coffee and it was, uh, three bags of coffee. And I can remember thinking, Holy crap, how am I going to ever sell 500 pounds of coffee? But yeah, you know, yeah. that, that quickly goes away cause you realize this is a volume game and, yeah. um, yeah. So some of those, those were probably some of the things that I kind of learned early on. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I said earlier, I cup a lot of coffees. Yeah. And that's one thing that really, I think, helped me develop as a roaster is to cup, 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 cup. I mean, yeah. I try to uh, cup every production roast that I do. Yeah. So every week I'm, you know, cupping 10, 12 coffees a, a week just to just to, to maintain quality control, but also it kind of continues to help my, my palate develop. Yeah. And I would say that, I mean, another good thing, because we've talked a couple of times about the opening a shop mm-hmm. um, thing, but that's probably an advantage in the quality of your coffee for you, since it is just you doing this. It's an advantage and a disadvantage, because you have to rely on your wholesale customers that to, yeah. to, to do it right. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been pretty blessed to having some good wholesale customers that, mm-hmm. you know, do things right. Um, you know, so you're kind of at that mercy that you can yeah. produce a great product and then, you know, they turn it into crap. Um, yeah. And we've seen it all, you know, before. Yeah. Um, that's the one kind of challenge. Um, but I don't I don't miss the overhead of having a cafe. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a lot of a lot of money to open a coffee shops. Uh and I, and I think people see coffee shops and they dream of this wonderful lifestyle and they have no idea how much time and effort it really takes. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I came from a nice IT sales background to this business and it's a, it's a lot harder to make money in this business than mm-hmm. I anticipated. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's. There's the dream portion and the social aspect, which is awesome about, you know, coffee, especially in the Kansas City coffee scene. Yeah. But then there's the reality of business, which is a lot different. Um, and it's not as easy as people think. Yeah. Do you think just the volume of new people roasting just makes that harder and harder? Or you just find that people are trying more and more coffee? Probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, or like if you're eating more into like the Starbucks caribou game rather than into each other's game well i think that the national players all have their place i mean i don't know how you started in in coffee but you know really kind of when i yeah yeah it was like caribou like thinking i I, there at at one time when starbucks uh, was dating myself but many years ago Mm -hmm. uh, starbucks used to have la marzocca lineas all manual machines And the coffee was really pretty good for the time. And they used to have these uh, guys called Black Apron guys, uh, Mm -hmm. Black Apron program, where they actually had to study and learn about coffee. And I became friends with one of the guys, uh, Black Apron guys on 39th Street. And that's really kind of when I started learning about good coffee. Um, So I think that the the big nationals have their place uh, for, for people to get introduced to specialty coffee but then it's really kind of where the local space the local roasters really 
um, really can sh- can highlight and really show people, okay, this is really what coffee should taste like. Yeah. Um, you know, not a bunch of sugar, not a bunch of, you know, blended this and that. I mean, there's a place for that, in my opinion, but uh, yeah, um, you have to have that balance. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that's that's one where some roasters really are, are anti of the you know flavorings and stuff and and i understand that perspective um yeah it's just trying to find that balance i think is 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 healthy yeah i agree and i mean there is a difference between if you're like at least if you're traveling or something you know where you can go to get the same thing that you would get at home i guess but um but yeah i think that's the way that everybody gets introduced to it yeah i mean it's you know they're a volume game, so yeah, it's uh, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not an naysayer. I mean, I don't think that the quality of coffee out of our big national chains is as good as it was in years past, though. Yeah, you know, it's certainly not for, in my opinion, Starbucks. Yeah, since they've had this global expansion, I, the quality, in my opinion, is really not. Yeah, quite what it used to be. Yeah, I mean, it can't. It had would have to be so hard to. They have to buy more coffee than anybody else in the world. Yeah, and it must be terribly hard to have the same quality from everywhere. I mean, well, the big thing where the small roaster I think has the advantage now in, in what we're defining as specialty coffee is that most of us are small enough that we can buy a particular lot or yeah, you know, from a particular farm where Starbucks, you know buys in such volume they have to you know buy larger lots or multiple lots um and then they tend to to roast a little bit darker to kind of make it more homogenized flavor profile yeah where where the smaller craft roasters are kind of highlighting what that farm is is you know Mm -hmm. bringing out and um you know some of the little unique micro lots are fantastic coffees um you know i think that there's place for blends i think there's a place for micro lots you know, it just depends on really what you want to present to the market mm-hmm. and what your customers you know what yeah. your customers want yeah well i know uh you which of your blends is pretty popular is it sy- the symphony symphony is my yeah. my most popular it's a guatemalan based blend yeah that and i have that and it's ha- called harmony which is a um a colombian based blend those two are probably my Mm-hmm. top two sellers i have five core signature blends yeah and then i do a rotating single origin every month or a new single origin yeah. every month and that's part of what i call my tour pass program which is my coffee subscription program mm-hmm. um, i have a different coffee every month so i i try to to be able to you know offer customers a single origin offer i always have a couple available as well as my standard of my blends yeah okay um so which uh, out of all the coffees you created, which one are you most proud of? Would you say? Um, That's a good hard question. It, it, my personal favorite is Symphony. You yeah, know, it, I think you tend to sell what you like the best. Yeah, and especially I noticed that at the farmers market, whatever um, coffee that I was really hot on at the moment, I, I sold a lot of it. Yeah, just because it's easier to sell when you believe in it. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of Guatemalan coffee, so Symphony is is kind yeah. of 
what I what I gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. I also have one called Chorus, which I actually originally developed it for my cold uh, brew blend. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of more of a Brazil and some uh, Ethiopian natural, so it's got a little yeah. sweetness on the back end. Yeah. So, um, but you know, I, I limit my blends just to five, so I kind of cover most of the major blend profiles, mm-hmm. and that's really all the desire I have for doing blends. Yeah. You know, I have an espresso blend. My and then four other four other blends. I have one dark roy, dark roast blend. It goes right up to second crack. Yeah. It's not my personal favorite, but uh, a lot of people like a dark roast coffee. And if you can produce a dark roast coffee that's good, you know it's, it it does well. Yeah, I feel. Would it, am I right in saying that dark roast and decaf are kind of the maybe most neglected? Yeah, I. I I think there's a lot of dark. They they both kind of hit some. Um, I don't know what the right word is. It, some. I'll take dark roast for example. I think a lot of dark roast is cheap quality beans that are that mm-hmm. are over roasted. Yeah. Um. And and that's kind of historically where we came from in dark roast. Yeah. Um. But like the quality of my beans that go into my dark roast, they're high quality beans, and some people. You know, kind of don't uh, believe in that philosophy because you, you do lose your origin flavors as you roast darker. But I've always been kind of a firm believer in cooking and and yeah. And in this is like you start with high quality ingredients, you, you green, ingredients. You're going to get a high quality product. Yeah. Um, now, I also don't roast. You know, when we say dark, it's a kind of a relative term. Yeah. To some people, dark is where it's black and oily and scorched. I don't, I don't ever roast that dark. I barely even touch second crack, yeah. which is kind of where the oils start kind of being emitted out of the bean. It's like that's about as dark as I get. Okay, um, is where oil is just starting to come out of the beans. Okay, so it that that's one of the challenges in our industry is like, what is dark roast and how do you define it? And it's really kind of tough because everybody has their own opinion of what dark roast is. Yeah. You know, and kind of on the same lines as de- decaf. You know, people typically kind of poo-poo decaf. Um, but I tell you, there's some pretty awesome decafs out there. Most yeah. roasters would never say that. But I just cupped a Colombian decaf that um, popped of fruit notes and, you know, stone fruits. And um, it, it was delicious. And I... I if I didn't tell you and served it to you, I don't think that you would know that it was a decaf product. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, the, the decaffeinization process has really improved over the last few years too. So mm-hmm. that's why we're seeing a little bit of that. Easier that, to find. Yeah. Uh, in fact, a, a couple of weeks ago in, uh, in one of the, the coffee rags, um, there's a new roaster that's specializing only in decafs. Hmm. which I thought was kind of an interesting concept, but, uh, yeah, but, but I get it. If you're a decaf, you know, there's a lot of people with health issues that can't drink caffeinated products. Yeah. Um, it feels a nice niche. Um, yeah. one of our subscribers is decaf really? option. So yeah. I mean, um, always trying to find a good option for him. Every it's month tough. And, um, I mean, it's, it's because a lot of the people, you know, really discount decaf. I, I think it's kind of an underserved market. Yeah. 
So then that guy who's starting that's probably going to do well. Yeah. You know, I, or hopefully I have, I don't sell much in decaf. You yeah. know, I would say 99% of mine's, you know, caffeinated coffee. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit of a niche market. Yeah. But your whole, you know, being a supplier to wholesale, um, customers, you know, they require some kind of decaf product. Mm-hmm. Um, although they don't sell a lot of it, you know, they need it for their, for those customers. Yeah. They have to have something on the shelf right there. So, okay. Um, so one thing I always like to ask people is if you, uh, if we're talking to the audience here and you know they're making let's just say they're making the symphony mm-hmm. blend at home how would you recommend that they make that at home wow um you're asking like what style like what style of brewer? yeah yeah french press pour over just mr coffee machine well my, my blends are roasted to kind of a decent medium roast um so they're fairly solid. The one thing that they kind of think about when you're selecting how you're going to brew is how dark that coffee is roasted. Um, mm-hmm. The more roasted it is, the easier it is to extract and yeah. make a, a cup of coffee out of. So um, that's where, if you when you're looking at most drip brew coffee, you know, Mr. Coffee or whatever brand of drip coffee brewers, a majority of them on the market don't get the water hot enough yeah. to extract properly. Now, if you go to a Bonavita or a Technoverm, there's a couple brands out there. Um, you know, they're going to be able to extract a real light roast coffee well. Mm-hmm. So, I think you have to kind of look at your coffee when you're selecting your brewing method to see how it's roasted um, and base your decision off of that. I know that's a kind of a loaded answer. Now my preference, I'm that, a was, bit, that uh, was my next question. I'm, I'm probably well at, oh, at home. I'm spoiled. I have a, a nice Rocket Fifty Eight espresso machine, so yeah. Most of the time, I'm drinking espresso based drinks. Um, mm-hmm. But here at the shop, I've got my Hario V60s that I use a lot. If I'm, um, you know, if I'm if I'm just going to make a cup of coffee, I'll yeah. typically go to the Hario. Okay. Um, if I'm doing, I also have a Bonavita on the 1600s that does a great job of an eight cup coffee brewer. Um, I think it fantastic. I think everybody, anybody that drinks drip coffee at home should invest in a nice drip brewer. Um, you know, when I suggest it and they're $150, people gasp at that price point or a lot of people do. Yeah. And, and I just kind of justify it. It's going to last you five years. So it's going to cost you 20 cents a day for, you know, that, yeah. that coffee brewer. In the long run, it's not a lot of money. Um, yeah. So, you know, it just depends on the volume of coffee that you drink and, and what you're drinking. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, if you drink coffee every day, then why not enjoy yeah, that it, cup? That's the thing that I kind of run into a lot of people, you know, are, are not used to paying the money for specialty coffee. Um but but part of the problem is that they've never had a great cup of coffee brewed at home, mm-hmm. and that's partially because their equipment is not great. Yeah. So it's you know it, it all kind of works hand in hand together. Um, it's interesting though because you know since I've been doing this business, like my mom was never a specialty coffee drinker before. Yeah. 
but you know she'll say every once in a while when she finds a coffee that she really likes if how spoiled she is now because yeah. she's drinking great coffee yeah um and and you have to laugh when she goes out to a restaurant and has a, a bad cup of coffee and she'll send it back now oh god so, like the folgers there or something yeah, or, yeah yeah you know there's a lot of bad coffee out there in restaurants so that's no for sure that's one thing that i'd like to see the Kansas city market improve on is is in the restaurants yeah you go to portland in most restaurants are serving specialty coffee yeah. you know some of it's because their scene's a lot different but uh yeah we're slowly kind of making that in growth yeah, into the some restaurant. Some of the local market. places you see, like the roastery or Parisi in there. Yeah, the roastery's kind of obviously been around for a while, so they've yeah. kind of ingrained in some of that. Yeah, but yeah, not all of them. Not all yeah, of them. Not all of them. <laughs> most of them not. <laughs> yeah, most of them don't. They still are whatever, whether it's Folgers or Starbucks. or And you can taste it right when you get oh, it. Oh, definitely. But, That's like I called on an account not too long ago, and – you know they're just using cisco coffee and they're perfectly yeah. happy with it and and you know you try to explain to them hey you know you've got customers out there that are, are wanting a better cup of coffee you know yeah. uh, but they don't recognize that yeah that stuff is garbage yeah it's terrible yeah hopefully we don't get sued here by cisco yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah that's true yeah we may want to cut that out yeah <laughs> no <laughs> no they won't hear this maybe maybe but uh yeah, it's a. Uh, I always like finding out how people like to make it at home, um, just because it. it K cups are just once you have a good cup of something at home, you're like, oh, I gotta get this Keurig machine the hell out of here. Yeah, I wish I wish they would come out with a Keurig that would hold enough coffee to. Yeah, I, I understand the convenience factor of a K cup. I mean, yeah. it's you know they hold fifty or sixty percent of the market. There's there's I get it. Um, yeah. It just makes a bad cup of coffee. Yeah. It <laughs> you does. know, relative to what we're used to. I, yeah. That's, you know, I was having a conversation with my dad and he's like, you know, really K cups, not that bad. And you know, it's, it's a, it's a relative statement. No, some of it is not bad, but yeah. Um, I think where people miss the boat with K cups, like if you make a five ounce cup with a K cup, you know, they can be okay. Yeah, uh, but, but it's the but large. When, but when yeah, most people don't understand. There's only, you know, in most of the you know, major brands of K cups, there's eight to ten grams of coffee in the, in those K cups, which is only enough coffee to really make you know a five ounce cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Well, American American standard mug is twelve ounces. Yeah, um, and you don't see many people using two K cups to produce a mug of coffee. No, so no, <laughs> that's. Then that would be a real expensive cup of coffee. It would be. Well, yeah, you look at just even the cost of, you know, most K-cups are, you know, 75 cents a cup. And it's like, man, you can buy some great specialty coffee, and it's going to be less expensive than a K-cup. Yeah. But certainly not as convenient, quote, unquote. Hey, we'll see. Maybe we just changed a lot of minds. I'm still working on my own mom, so there we'll you go. see if this uh, actually happens, but... I'm still working on a lot of people. <laughs> um, hey, and do it for the environment, folks. Okay? That's yeah. one. A lot of plastic out there. Yes, that's one thing I, I hate about the K-Cups. Um, yeah. The, you know, though, there is an interesting article that just came out talking about how the energy consumption uh, is actually less using a K-Cup because 
you know, it's only brewing yeah. one cup at a time. Yeah, we're definitely cutting that part out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It, it was an interesting, you know, view of it. Yeah. I, I personally don't. The plastic waste is, is significant. Yeah, but the energy of the machine is yeah. way lower. It looked at, it looked at a holistically, mm-hmm. you know, um, how energy efficient it was. And yeah. You know, it's a, just another opinion on on that. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, it makes sense. They don't take a lot of power to get going. Yeah, and you know, it depends on the kind of coffee drinker you are. Yeah, that is true. Hopefully, we didn't cake up shame anybody listening to this program today, <laughs> but possible. Um, okay, I'm gonna steal some rapid fire questions from other podcasts. Okay, you ready? Sure. Okay. But I'm gonna twist it a little bit. So, if you could have a billboard for the coffee community, what would it say? Great coffee here, just a an arrow pointing to Kansas City. There we go. Hey, nice. You know, you know I, I really feel that there's yeah, a really strong community. Yeah, it is. Um, and that's part of the reason why I started this business, this podcast, to yeah. tap into that more. So, yep. Um, by the way, what did you, I don't think we talked about the, you went to the coffee championships here, right? I did. I How did. was that? It was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I encourage anybody that's never been to an event like that to go check it out. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, you know, I've only seen events like that typically at, you know, coffee fest or SCA yeah. where it's part of another, um, event. So this was kind of unique, at least for me this year, because it mm-hmm. was really just competition. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was super exciting for the az- you know average watcher, but it, it was yeah. it was cool going down there and being able to see you know all the people in our industry performing at the top of their game. Yeah. Um, and for those that don't know, it's basically a, a roasting competition, a cupping competition, you know a. a brewing presentation competition yeah. all the national it was a national event that was here um yeah it was it was it was cool yeah worth, definitely worth going down and you could i mean you could feel the uh like i went to messenger a couple of days before i mean people were getting amped up for it yeah yeah and i have to say a uh, shout out to all the people that really put in time and effort yeah you know ben held organized um it was a campfire cookout on saturday morning um, there is a whole team of people that put together a program um, for all the patrons to know, you know, where the hot sh- coffee shops are, restaurants, you know, yeah. really the cool things about Kansas City and not just what the tourist rags put out. Um, so there was a lot of effort by the local coffee community that, that a lot of people probably didn't see. Yeah. Um, and, and that made, I think, the event that much more successful because I talked to some of my peers that were from outside of the market. Um, and that's kind of what blew them away is, is how, um, organized things were. And some of it was simply because of the Casey coffee community. That's awesome. Well, congratulations guys. Yes. For those who are listening. Um, well, I'm looking at, see, we break off the rapid fire because it's really just more conversation (laughs) starter. Okay. We'll say not in Kansas City. Um, what is your favorite coffee? That way we don't alienate anybody. Well, like we talked about earlier, I think Huckleberry is probably one of my okay. my favorites. Um, 
gosh, there's so many good coffees out there anymore. Yeah. You know, one of my earlies, obviously PTs, but they're kind of in the market. Uh, yeah. Also, um, uh, Paradise Roasters out of uh, Ramsey, Minnesota. Yeah. Um, they were actually one of the first that I really loved their espresso. Yeah, there's a lot of roasters up north. Yeah. Like Minnesota, Wisconsin. There's it's a lot. It's cold up there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. They were kind of like one of the, the Paradise was kind of one of the early companies that was quote unquote third wave. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of put PTs in there as well. Yeah. Um, you know, Jeff was doing great coffee 15 years ago. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, you know, you could know say that. you could say Bird Rock, the sister yeah. company. You know, I have not had any of the Bird Rock yet. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure Jeff's doing a killer job with them as well. Yeah. Um, others. Those are some of the you know some of the standouts. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that at least that I've kind of explored. You know, I, I try to buy. Uh, um, you know, when I go on vacations, I try to buy from local roasters and. Yeah. You know, I, I don't buy a lot of coffee just because being in the business anymore. But uh, yeah, but I still do to kind of keep my palate, yeah, you know, yeah. in tune. Mm-hmm. Um, those are probably my two highlights. Okay, well, I gotta try some now known as Huck Coffee. Yeah, for sure, they do great. I job. mean, I see it everywhere. So, but yeah, and they're 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 not that old. They're six seven years old. Oh wow! Yeah, they're not a they're not a well. I say that, but it's probably been a few years longer than that now. But yeah, well, and I see it. Yeah, they're on national subscriptions and all that good yeah. stuff as well. Um, okay. Now I don't even remember my Rapid next fire. question. Huh? Rapid fire. Okay. Such a good host. <laughs> okay, if you. <laughs> And I'm going to tie this one. I'm going to come back to the music. And I asked you this before. If you had to name your favorite local band and your favorite band all time. Wow. Okay. Yeah, you did ask me that. Um, I would say the local band. I'm, I'm so You're tight with so many. everybody. T- no, yeah, okay. Is, we don't have to do like, that one. Favorite I, all time. Um, my favorite all time is Grateful Dead. I'm okay. A, call me a deadhead. I just love it. Um, yeah. And I love traveling for music, too. That's That's... Yeah. what i do if i'm not roasting coffee i think i'm going to concerts gotcha so, so who are you going to see out in denver um, seeing the dead oh okay <laughs> yeah dead and company's playing two nights in boulder so okay. that, that and my best friends live out there so we're, we're going out there for a little yeah. vacation yeah um, that is something we have in common our best love friends for Colorado. Denver, yeah. oh, best friends yeah i love denver i, I couldn't live there traffic sucks but I, I love the mountains and the streets are just a little gross in yeah. some spots. Yeah. Oh, that's an understatement. Yeah, in a lot of spots. Well, I used prior to starting, I, I like the company I worked for was out in Colorado, so I spent a lot of time in Denver in commuting on their their highway systems, and yeah. I don't know how people do it. Yeah. Yeah, it takes like an ungodly amount of time to get across the city. Yes. Well. The the time that I realized that I don't want to move up there is when I was at my friend's house, and had to move to, had to go to the tech center down south. Yeah, and it took me an hour and a half, and mm-hmm. I was like, nope, this is not this is not not the way to do not it. Not my lifestyle. Yeah, that is a great thing about Kansas City. Not that I want a ton of people to move here, but the highway system I mean, it's just like so wide open. It's very easy. Yeah, we're very blessed here. 
yeah like to get so fast but enough bragging on ourselves <laughs> i suppose um have you ever tried a stumpton coffee or stumped house coffee what is stump it town yeah stump town mm-hmm. um it's been a long time but yeah i see them everywhere they're like my outside of kansas city that i've been trying lately they're also pretty good yeah you know they were early there were several you know going back 10 15 years ago you know Stumptown was right up there um barefoot counterculture mm-hmm. um there was there was a number of early kind of adopters that that were yeah. again that third wave group you know, yeah. at that time we didn't know we, you know, we didn't have names for waves. Yeah, it was just yeah. kick-ass was just coffee. Happening. You know, yeah. Um, so yeah, Sumptown does a solid job. Mm-hmm. And I think they've been you know several of those big guys have been bought up by you know Nestle, like Blue Bottles, bought by somebody now. And yeah, um, it, 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 it you know the the interesting thing it's hard to you know like what we were talking about earlier about buying you know micro lots and stuff that's kind of once you get to a certain size one of the challenges that works against you is you don't have the ability to buy yeah some of the smaller lots you know i mean Stumptown's a big company now yeah that is true so yeah i see them all across i've seen them in nashville i've seen them in utah all over the place yeah so, cafes yeah really cafes and uh like brunch places gotcha so um all right well I think we covered most of what I had on here. Anything else you want to? No. Go buy coffee. Encorecoffeeco.com. Encorecoffeeco.com. And, hey, we're sending some of your stuff out this month. Yes. You got some La Good El Salvador and uh, some some of Harmony. Yeah. It's going to be sweet. Um, Yeah. Well, Mike, thank you for coming on. It's greatly appreciated. And thank you all for listening. Make sure to check out EncoreCoffeeCo.com. Thank you. All right, guys, that was Mike King from Encore Coffee. Him and I appreciate you stopping by to listen to the episode, and we hope you enjoyed it. Now go order some Encore Coffee from kccoffeecollective.co and your life will become better. All right, enjoy the rest of your day. Bye.